Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's mandatory minicamp time in Lake Forest. We have three days of fun to uh, witness football before we have almost six weeks off prior to the start of training camp in Bourbon Day. Welcome inside CSN Chicago's Bears Talk podcast. Alongside CSNChicago.com's J.J. Stankovitz, I'm Chris Bowden. And uh, there are a couple things we're looking forward to seeing here on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. They'll probably go a little two hours and change on Tuesday and Wednesday. At least that's how they're scheduled. And then just a little over an hour before uh, the guys cut loose and get their six weeks of freedom, sometimes the most scariest part of the, the scariest <laughs> part of the offseason, I should say. But uh, as we're also writing on CSNChicago.com, there are some bullet points that will be looking for, albeit with a grain of salt, because uh, we don't know what the body count is going to be, how conservative that the coaching staff will be uh, playing it with some of these players coming off of injury. Ideally, you'd like to see everybody out there. But let's start front and center with the quarterback position. And I think both of us have, you know, a couple things we're interested in seeing. And right now in the guys who are one and two on the depth chart. Yeah, this is Mike Glennon's last opportunity before training camp training camp to really cement himself as the leader of this offense. It's something it's a process he began as soon as he signed with the Bears, whether it was with off the field things, taking uh, some teammates to a Bulls game or uh, smoking meat with the uh, offensive line. <laughs> you know, uh, tough, tough to beat Cody Whitehair, by the way, a Kansas City guy who can. Yeah, probably. Probably got a pretty good um, rib recipe. Yeah, Cush uh, is bragging about his skills. Yeah, too. so I, I wouldn't mind trying some of that food, actually. But uh, back, back to Glennon, he's a guy who, you know, we saw it at, at for the first OTA open to media where he came out and he said over and over again, this is my year. This is my year. He really publicly stated the ownership of the offense that he feels he has, which was a good thing for the Bears, that there was no question mark of, you know, is he looking over his shoulder at Mitch Trubisky? Is, he, is that impacting how he's leading the offense? And, you know, there, with so many new faces in there, whether it is it's Kevin White, a guy who played only four games last year, or Kendall Wright, Victor Cruz, Marcus Wheaton, Adam Shaheen, Deion Sims, Tarek Cohen, Benny Cunningham, so many guys who will be either getting the ball handed off to them or thrown to them that Glennon, Glennon's leadership does take on a bit of an added role here in that he does need to bring everyone together. They need, they need to be cohesive and on the same page going into training camp. So this veteran minicamp, three more practices, three more opportunities for Mike Glennon to do that on the field. And as early as it is, it almost seems like the clock is, is really ticking um, in, in terms of these guys being able to get on the same page. Now you have Cam Meredith who's out mm -hmm. until training camp. And granted, it's only a handful of practices and OTAs that he's missed. And these three minicamp practices, if he is indeed back by the time Bourbonnet rolls around, sure, you, you can make up for that. But in the meantime, while it opens the door for some of these other guys in developing an on-field relationship with Mike Glenn, on-field timing, um, you know, there, there are so many divergent parts on the offense and on the back end of the defense where – um, changes needed to be made, uh, depth needed to be provided, 
And when you're at the most important position on the team, it's going to be intriguing to watch how that timing is. And you know, I, we're not allowed to give a whole lot of details in terms of what we've seen so far in the three OTA practices. But I think you and I and just about everyone out there who's had the opportunity, it's not real surprising that the defense is usually ahead of the offense mm -hmm. early in just about any offseason. But uh, I think it was especially apparent with what we've seen so far on the practice fields at Hallis Hall. Yeah, I mean, especially with the, the turnover on both sides of the ball, you're almost starting from scratch in terms of where guys were last year. Yeah. You know, especially on offense, but also on defense with all the injuries they had. These guys are all practicing together for the first time in a while now. And, yeah, I think, I think usually at this point the defense is ahead of the offense. And, you know, eventually you would like that to sort of even out. But that will begin with the installation process once that gets going uh, into uh, training camp here. And, that, of course, at the other quarterback spot is Mitch Trubisky. When we had a chance to talk to him last week, he gave all indications that this unsigned contract right now is not going to be an issue for now because he wants to get out there and play, soak as much in as he can. And I think another factor, and this is the fact that Mark Sanchez is sidelined until training camp. More snaps coming Mitch Trubisky's way in familiarizing himself not only with the offense, but more of the regulars higher up the depth chart that uh, he has to develop a relationship with. And one thing I'll be interested in seeing, as much as Glennon is the guy, is that if there is the slightest sliver of opportunity here for him to start changing some minds, that he is starting to get that playbook um, and you know, be able to diagnose the looks he's seeing from a defense and get that footwork together along with the mechanics that, that he told us last week aren't being messed with from his throwing standpoint, but getting it in sync with the footwork. Um, if he starts developing some type of rhythm, um, people are going to start pounding the table even yeah. more than they are right now, which I think is unrealistic because the Bears and Glenn have gone by that company line that it's, it's all his team, but if we're seeing, you know, not so much cohesion going on between Mike Lennon, all of a sudden Trubisky starts lighting it up. I don't think that's going to change the larger narrative, but then again, there is that, that slight window of opportunity where if he, he's showing something, it might be a chance to change some minds from an opportunity perspective when it comes to training camp and how much he's going to be getting snaps with the second team, if yeah, not the first team. I, I think the, the point here is the biggest question currently with the Bears quarterback situation isn't who's going to start. It'll be Mike Glennon until something changes on that. Right now, this is Trubisky's opportunity to prove that he should be the first guy off the bench. Mm -hmm. If Glennon struggles in the season, if Glennon is injured, if you know, anything happens to Mike Glennon, who comes off the bench? Will it be Trubisky or Sanchez? With Sanchez out, now Trubisky has this opportunity to run the second-team offense, to work with some wide receivers who will be part of the rotation on a pretty consistent basis, uh, to work with some running backs, some offensive linemen. And I, I think that was, going back to your point about the contract, Trubisky does recognize that that's, this is an opportunity for him to, like you said, maybe to start changing some minds, changing the, the plan almost for him in terms of how you go about splitting up his reps. Maybe if Trubisky looks very good during this uh, veteran minicamp, then during training camp maybe he gets more second-team reps than if he was just running the third team mm -hmm. right now. So I, I think actually for any player in 
this entire veteran minicamp, this is the biggest this is the biggest week for Mitch Trubisky. And I realize that may just sound obvious. Oh, he's the second overall pick in the draft. He's, you know, a, a young quarterback still learning the offense. But from an actual opportunity standpoint, this is a pretty big week, big week for him. We get to see how much of a sponge he is, you know. And, and he's talked about the great challenge he's had trying to learn that playbook, study the playbook, and for him to translate that onto what they're trying to do on the field. And um, I, I'm sure Dowell Loggins and Dowell is asking Vic Fangio the same thing is – Test this guy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, push to the limit, you know, without overwhelming him. But, you know, give him a few different different looks here and there. Um, disguises, see what, you know, he can interpret there at the line of scrimmage. And if he happens to come back, come through that in impressive fashion, it's going to be interesting where they take it from there. And, and I don't think there's going to be any admission by the coaching staff at this point either. Even if we're seeing that out there, that things – have changed in terms of what we're looking at uh, with the death chart. I don't think we're even going to get an admission of that by the coaching staff, but you know, I, I think uh, uh, our eyes over the next three days are, are really going to be interested in seeing how, how much he's meshing with some of these receivers too. Yeah, it's a little too early for them to actually alter the plan, but Trubisky could lay the groundwork for that. Yeah happening yeah. right now sometime during training camp. And the same thing could happen with these wide receivers. We mentioned Cam Meredith out. I know uh, one of the points you're making in your CSNChicago.com uh, six-pack that we're doing together. Pick six. With pick six. Six-pack, pick six. Um, I'm thinking beverages and abdomens instead of... Uh, instead of uh, I'm what, leaning what more beverages than abdomens what on we've that seen, one. <laughs> what we've seen uh, all too frequently over the last uh, several years uh, with number six at quarterback. But... Um, an opportunity here for maybe some of the wide receivers to provide a little bit of clarity in terms of who's getting it, um, who's performing well. You have Victor Cruz, who was just brought in, ranks to see whether Marcus Wheaton gets a green light. He was wearing one of the, the jerseys where guys can't do quite everything in the seven-on-seven drills and OTAs. That may not be the fact this week. But also, uh, Kendall Wright, as we start sifting through this depth chart, all three of those guys could end up making the roster, but with someone stepping up and developing a little bit of a, um, a relationship with these quarterbacks, that'll be interesting to see who's on when we're out there at Hallis Hall this week. Yeah, and, and I'm particularly interested in Kevin White this week, just given that in the overall scope, we talk a lot about the, the competition in that room between a lot of the guys signed to short-term contracts yeah. or – you know, some of the younger guys, but Kevin White could unlock a lot for this receiving core if he can come back healthy and if he can be the guy who the Bears thought was worthy of being the seventh overall pick two years ago, that speed factor to push safeties back to not allow them to kind of cheat up on Cameron Meredith could be a huge boon for Cameron Meredith going forward without Alshon Jeffrey opposite him. And it would also open some stuff up, you know, maybe it's Victor Cruz in the slot, maybe it's Kendall Wright in a rotation, if Kevin White can be that player who the Bears thought they had, even last year when he, when he got injured, he was their leading receiver. Mm-hmm. If he can be something along those lines, that opens up so much for this offense. And we always just we talk about so many ifs on this Bears team, if, if, if. Kevin White is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, ifs on this team where he can do so much for an offense by stretching the field to open a lot more up for Mike Glennon, for the receivers, for the running backs, that he's going to be a guy who how he practices this week and then into training camp 
could tell you a lot about how the Bears offense will be this year. Yeah, and uh, that whole 2015 class, Ryan Pace's first class in all between Kevin White playing only four games in his career so far, Eddie Goldman just 21 of a possible 32, and Hironis Grasso out all of last year. He only has eight NFL games under his belt. The top end of that first draft, so anxious to see uh, if these guys, A, can make it through training camp, and B, what kind of impact they can potentially have. A couple other things uh, we'll be interested in seeing. First of all, whether Zach Miller is is on the field doing some uh, – He we finally saw him in a somewhat participatory manner last week at the final OTA that was open to the media, although – uh, you know, wasn't doing a whole lot as he continues to come off of that Liz Frank injury that he suffered against the Giants last season. Adam Shaheen's been out there every day, so has Deion Sims. Um, curious to see if they, they show anything in terms of heavy sets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if and when Miller is available, you know he's going to be part of that, but uh, whether they show an indication to, to use that type of offensive formation with any frequency. And the other thing, when we're talking about this rookie class, is uh, how they're going to utilize uh, Terry Cohen. And you know, the, the comp was Darren Sproles as the Bears drafted him in the fourth round. And if this kid is, is any good, uh, he's going to be a, situa- a situational player, no doubt about that. But if uh, we find him you know, darting through the defense like uh, some of the other smaller players, Sproles specifically in the NFL, I, I think there's an excitement factor in terms of being able to use him as a weapon and some diversity of the offense too. Yeah, that, that adds another aspect that the Bears didn't really have previously in that you know the running back you can kind of throw a swing pass to or run a screen to and sort of see how he can move you know, with a little bit of a shifty mentality out there. And we've talked a lot about Cohen where the Sproles comp is a tough one because there's only been one Darren Sproles. Mm-hmm. There's only been one small running back to have legitimate success in the NFL. Maybe, maybe there are some other guys who are developing right now out there who can be that. But if, if Tariq Cohen can be 50% of what Darren Sproles was, that still is a pretty good player. That still is a pretty good weapon to have in your offense to open a little bit more up for everyone else. Does he become Darren Sproles or does he become Garrett Wolf? I guess we we have yeah. to wait. Opposite to ends, <laughs> opposite ends of the small running back spectrum. Right yeah. There. Oh well, Garrett Wolf gave the Bears, you know, some serviceable, a couple serviceable seasons right there. But uh, uh, yeah, not to knock the local kid out of uh, out of NIU and who came out of Chicago as well. So those are some offensive uh, ideas and things we're anxious to see at Hallis Hall. We're gonna take a break now, and when JJ and I come back, we'll. Hit on a couple of uh, defensive things and a couple of other nuggets along the way that have developed over the course of the past uh, few days here. Again, you're listening to the Bears Talk podcast. We encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play, Audio Boom, and Stitcher. Back after this timeout as we look ahead to the mandatory minicamp this week in Lake Forest. It's sports. It's social. It's fun. It's Luke Stuckmeyer and Layla Rahimi, and it's the Next Generation Sports Show. In the Loop, every night, 6.30, 10, and 10.30 on CSN. JJ, thank you. It's Chris Bowden back with you as we look ahead to Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Final practices for the Bears at Hallis Hall before a six-week layoff prior to reporting to Bourbonnet in late July. And we talked a little bit about the offense in the first segment, J.J. Let's go defense. And uh, a number of things we're curious to see, especially who's getting regular snaps in the front seven because 
Yeah, that's pretty much been a, a almost a, a Red Cross unit over the past couple of years, and especially seeing whether there's a, a McPhee or a Floyd, who I want to get to specifically in a minute, a Young, a Houston, an Eddie Goldman, a Jay Howard. Uh, how much of those guys are going to be involved uh, when the offense is going up against the defense? But we also have to look at the back end. As much unfamiliarity as there is between the quarterback and the receivers, trying to find a way to mesh, it's also going to be important in that in that secondary, which you know we've all been looking to improve from a turnover standpoint. Yeah, currently in the of the four secondary positions, three are players who weren't here last year, and there could be a fourth if and when Eddie Jackson yeah. uh, becomes healthy again. So the, the OTA's process for them, and, and then in, now into veteran minicamp, is mostly about just developing trust, where, you know, between Quentin Demps and Marcus Cooper, uh, actually Quentin Demps and Prince of Mucamara played together with the Giants in 2014, mm -hmm. so there's already, already a little bit there. Um, but just in, in developing that trust and knowledge of where is this guy going to be if the receiver runs this route, or, you know, when we're running this coverage, what sort of help does player X need? That's what a lot of this is about. And I asked Quentin Demps, how do you sort of create a mentality of creating turnovers? And he said a lot of it is just doing your job and then helping out. So currently they're working on, okay, where does, where does this guy need help on a certain play in this scheme, in this defense, in this fit, all of that. So it's a really slow process. And, you know, I, I asked Amukamara, how do you sort of, you know, develop that trust right now. And he's kind of like, you know, you don't really start doing anything as a defense until training camp in terms of how does, how is the defense going to look right now? Everyone's switching in and out. You're just trying to grow that trust. And I think that's what we'll see more of this week out of that unit. If you're counting interceptions or you're counting <laughs> completion percentages from the quarterbacks against the secondary, it's probably a bit of a fool's errand, just given that so much will change between now and even the start of training camp, but, you know, midway through training camp once the defense finally gets a little bit more settled. And a couple of other names interested in watching as well. How much is Kyle Fuller out there? Who is he out there with, you know, if we're to, you know, start projecting ones, twos, threes? Uh, how is he looking? Who is he out there with? And the other guy is, is DeAndre Hall. Now, here's a guy that we saw last preseason show a lot of flashes, you know, even did here and there during the regular season. As much as he was flashing, though, in the regular season, he also took his lumps. Welcome to the NFL, kid, on the few occasions that he was in before suffering that ankle injury that pretty much knocked him out the rest of the season. But they're trying to switch him over to safety. He still has that cornerback knowledge in his back pocket, and I'm interested in seeing how active they make him in this whole equation. And the other question we're interested in seeing is who else is going to be out there at that opposite safety other than Quentin Dips? If, if we're relying on him to be one of the safety starters, you know, and I think based on his interception totals is more of the center fielder type, whereas Adrian Amos still looking for his first career pick yeah. after two full seasons, but very strong in the box. Do they, they stick Amos with them or do they go, you know, a, another route with a, with a Harold Jones Corte or something else? So that's, you know, something I'm, I'm curious to watch, and we've all been waiting now as we head into year three of this defense. Ed Donatel has a reputation for being one of the best secondary coaches in the NFL. We saw what he did in San Francisco where he took a bunch of disappointing guys who were drafted high, be it Carlos Rogers or Dante Whitner or, you know, a later round guy in Parrish Cox. He made them into guys who were either uh, among the league leaders in interceptions or going straight to the Pro Bowl, 
but the caveat in all that is he also had the front, the front seven, right. a very good, a great front seven in front of him in those seasons in San Francisco. So it's not all magic dust with Ed Donatel, but I think uh, we're still anxious to see a little bit more than what we have with the secondary production. Well, that, that's the tie-in is that, you know, you talk about Willie Young and Pernell McPhee and Leonard Floyd and the pass rush. Even, you know, Jonathan Bullard or Eddie Goldman, these guys, how that front seven works is going to impact the secondary quite a bit. Where if you have, if Leonard Floyd can turn into being a double-digit sack guy, like the Bears think he can, if Pernell McPhee, whether he's maybe uh, like 15 to 20 snap a game guy or if he's a full-time starter, if he can be a consistent force getting into the backfield, if Willie Young can be, you know, right around that seven to Mm -hmm. eight or nine sack guy, um, just pressuring the quarterback is going to lead to a lot more success in terms of turning the ball over for a secondary so, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right, Chris, where those Niners defenses, they had Alden Smith mm-hmm. and just, you know, some elite pass Justin rushes up Justin Smith front. and Willis and Bowman. I, I, how could I forget about the other Missouri Smith as a Mizzou <laughs> guy? Uh, but, yeah, just so much talent up front begets success in the back end as long as you have the talent there. The Bears do think with the additions they made in the offseason with a DeAndre Hall, maybe with an Eddie Jackson, that they do have the talent back there but those guys can't do it all on, their, all on their own, and the front seven can't do it all on their own. And as we wait to see uh, how healthy these guys are and how much they're put in action, you would think, I think all Bears fans would think, uh, all things being equal and health being there in that base 3-4, you'd have Leonard Floyd on one side and Pernell McPhee on the other. You have options with Young and Houston putting them into the mix, be it, you know, uh, an extra rusher and a NASCAR-type package or what, and uh, how much those guys get on the field over the next three days we'll also be anxious to see. We're unfortunately restricted by some some Bears rules um, with we can only report those who are on the field, whether they're participating in 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11 seven, 11 11 or not. Um, we're just restricted to, to doing that. Um, but uh, I'm anxious to see how much action those guys really get, especially when, you know, uh, the couple times we've been out there, whether it's by choice or by necessity, in, with, with bringing him along slowly perhaps, I think we only saw Leonard Floyd out there really doing football-y type stuff, one out of the three OTAs that we, we saw too. So as much as we talked about Kevin White on the offensive side, Leonard Floyd is, is kind of that number one piece on the defensive Two side. Top ten picks. Right. That's, that's, you know, and we, we talk about it a lot. We talked about it quite a bit leading into the draft. The, the best way to build a foundation as a franchise is to draft a guy and then not have to redraft that position. And going further into the Ryan Pace era, the Bears cannot afford to redraft a wide receiver. They can't afford to redraft another pass yeah. rusher. Now they can't afford to redraft a quarterback, certainly. But those are, those are really important picks that Ryan Pace made that need to pan out for the long-term success of this franchise. And, you know, from the flashes that we see occasionally, they look like good picks. But in the end, you're graded by how much you were on the field and how much production you had. And while we like to believe that Ryan Pace uh, has put a couple of good drafts together, uh, there's still huge question marks around it. And, um, you know, from a health perspective and also from, you know, these second and third year guys, the light really going on for them because 
you know, you, you'd like ideally to see your rookies come through and be all that you think they're going to be immediately, but I don't know how realistic that is. Really, when teams grow, it's those, it's those second and third year guys that you really have to see flash. Before we go, a couple of, a couple of quick points here. Um, the only new Bears item that we posted on CSNChicago.com on Saturday uh, probably was something better than you or I could have ever written. And uh, no, that was, that was uh, Zach Miller showing us uh, he's an everyman. Uh, tell, tell us about it a little bit. Zach Miller uh, has a, a, not only a good knack for playing the piano, but for taking uh, some, like, I believe it's early 2000s uh, hip-hop and uh, turning it into a piano <laughs> solo. Uh, he was playing Still D.R.E. by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg off the uh, the one of the best albums I can ever think of <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, so that was, that, that was, yeah, you're right, Chris. I don't think we could have written content better than just watching. I, I sat and I watched that video for a minute and a half, <laughs> just grinning ear to ear, like, this is awesome. And if it weren't Zach Miller playing it, if that right. were just some guy, yeah. I still would have retweeted that onto my timeline and been like, this is amazing, this is incredible, go watch this right now. And it's not just the watch, it's the listen, too. So, the listen, so, yeah. So uh, if any of you missed it, uh, let's hear a little bit of uh, Zach Miller tickling the ivories, still DRE. he was that good uh, prior to his second Liz Frank injury, but uh, maybe in some of his spare time, he was polishing up with his uh, you know, mus musical talents. Yeah, there. if he can somehow turn the next episode into a piano solo, I will be convinced that he's got a career in in whatever genre that is. The amazing thing, the too, is because when he really came on the scene a couple of years ago after... Uh, what uh, he hadn't played a game in three years in the NFL or something like that, um, and then was knocked out in his first preseason bear with the Bears with the original Liz Frank injury. Uh, he came back and had that breakout 2015 season, and you know as we got to know him a little bit more, what was your backup plan, Zach? What was your backup plan as a college quarterback who became a NFL tight end at the NFL level? He said, "I, I didn't have a, a backup plan. I, this was I was all in on my NFL career, and as injury plagued as he's been, when he's been healthy here in Chicago, he's shown flashes. But um, I guess we have one thought: if uh, if the rough ride continues for him from a physical standpoint, yeah, uh, one well, and. and in terms of actual football stuff with Zach Miller, uh, how he does fit in, or I guess how the rest of the tight ends fit in with Zach Miller, be it Deion Sims, Adam Shaheen, uh, some of the guys who were around last year too, is going to be really interesting because that seems to be a sneakily deep unit if they can get Zach Miller healthy. Uh, Deion Sims had finally started to show something as a receiver last year with Miami, 
Adam Shaheen already, if your baseline for him right now is that he's a red zone threat, that's pretty good to have. So some really interesting developments in the tight end room I think we'll, we'll start seeing here over the next in, uh, in veteran minicamp and then into training camp. Yeah, and I, I, was, I was a big fan of, uh, well, not a big fan, but I liked what I saw to Daniel Brown and, and the cup of coffee he had late in the season last year. Uh, he was making a transition from wide receiver. Um, so I thought, you know, perhaps he's, he's in number three. Now he's going to be fighting for number three, number four status, proving he can play special teams. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Finally, uh, also on a physical standpoint, we're talking about Zach Miller, a little bit of Eddie Lacy. All right. Um, Obviously, uh, Mike McCarthy got tired <laughs> of watching him step on a scale after his rookie season and just shaking his head and saying, uh, oh, no, and it showed from a playing time and production standpoint. And uh, Seattle takes a flyer on him. You know, they don't have uh, Marshawn Lynch anymore, but they want something in that mode. And uh, we were just reading before we came in here to record when he came out of Alabama in 2013, he was 231 pounds, mm-hmm. apparently, at the Combine. Uh, apparently, he made free agent visits at 267. And then, in order to tip the scales at 250 or under on Monday, he gets a $55,000 bonus. If that ain't NFL living, I'm not sure what is. I'll, I'll, I, you know, I'll take a bonus from CSN if I can make weight. <laughs> I don't know what I want that weight to be, but you know. Well, you got to blow up first. Well, I mean, no, yes, that, you're, yeah, yeah, that's a good so, point. I would, but so I, mean, I can only go. eat so many press box hot dogs before I get sick of them. <laughs> you got to, you got to let yourself go and then uh, cut the deal in order so to. So when I when I'm covering games, should I be drinking full calorie cola then? Yeah, would that help. I'd go okay. for that if you're looking for the bonus. But you yeah, know, see, the the weird part is that it probably doesn't affect your writing skills. I don't think whether you're. Yeah, you know, you're, right, you're, yeah. Whether you're 360 or you're, uh, you're, you're chiseled 225 right now. So um, I'm not chiseled, <laughs> or, nor am I 225. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a discussion for a different day. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting closer to that 225 without being chiseled myself. <laughs> so uh, stay with CSN Chicago and CSNChicago.com for uh, the latest from this three-day Bears mini camp. Again, we get uh, a heavy, thick three days of action and then – It's tumbleweeds for about six weeks or so. We'll try to build up material and keep you entertained. We'll be back for podcasts every week throughout that six-week layoff before Bourbonnet. But we'll also be back with our next podcast once the three-day minicamp concludes. Uh, When they wrap things up on Thursday, look for that on Thursday night or perhaps Friday morning. We come back and uh, review and uh, talk about uh, what we can talk about and perhaps a little bit more on what we've seen. By the way, I... With the temperatures this week, I'm not I'm not going to be surprised if they take it indoors to the Peyton yeah. Center. Uh, uh, we're hoping they don't decide at the last minute to, eh, I know we said 11, 1130, we're going to start practice, but because of the heat, we're starting at 9, which would be uh, an impossible commute for me. But just to play things safe and with this team's injury history, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just play it safe. And, and Grant, there are no guarantees, but keep it inside. Yeah. You don't want You don't want to create any more setbacks in the six-week window before you have to report to Bourbonnais. At this time of the year, the operative phrase is play it safe. Yeah. So uh, we're going to do the same and sign off now, but we also encourage you to subscribe to our Bears Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play, Audio Boom, and Stitcher. And then, again, you can always find our podcast for every Chicago sports team by logging on to csnchicago.com slash podcast. 
JJ Stankovic, you can follow him on Twitter at JJ Stankovic. That's JJ S T A N K E V I T Z. Wow. Yes, I'm a winner. Let's see if I can do my own at CSN Bowden. C-S-N-B-O-D-E-N. You can follow us over the next three days and always and for all your Bears information. And we will talk to you late in the week after uh, minicamp concludes. For J.J. Stankwitz, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks for listening. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.